Please forgive me if this seems an odd prayer, but I pray that you and I are never put on an actual VIP list. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. And these are times of choosing. I don't say that enough because it's perhaps the most important thing in life is to choose, choose the way of God or choose the other way, and there are two ways. The other is to understand that not choosing is choosing. It's a passive choice to do nothing is a choice against God. And for that reason, I pray that you or I never get put on VIP lists, on true VIP lists. And I'll admit, this is a huge, huge, huge change for me. Um, Because in, well, 15 years ago, I wanted on every VIP list I could get on. And so many of them are really easy to get on. You just spend a bunch of money. And man, that stuff is seductive. When I worked at Microsoft and got into a position where I I was given a field title, a field title is it's a, well, it's, it's a virtue signal. It's a title of importance to the outward world. And that title was general manager of media strategy. That's what I did. Uh, I mean, that's, that's what my charge was, was to work with film studios and talent agencies and Madison Avenue and um, t- to get them to shift their monies into thinking and to put their programs on our platforms. And so it was a real job and, and interface with the product team. It was a fun gig. I tell you, it was a, an enormously fun gig and we did cool things. To this day, I'm very, very proud of the things that the team built and I just helped get paid for. And the degree which I added some creativity to it, all the better. God gives us many gifts. But when you're spending $50,000, sometimes a month, in travel, man, American Express loves you. And I was at Microsoft invited to apply for a, uh, a corporate card an American Express corporate card. And I was in that process. And a friend of mine who was very senior to me at Microsoft said, why are you doing that? I said, oh, I don't, I don't want to put my money out there. He goes, Todd, uh, Microsoft's going to pay you back for your travel expenses. The, the, the check's cash. If you use the system and you use the software and you book your trips as you're supposed to, you're never going to not get paid back. In fact, you might sometimes get paid before you take the trip. If you know what you're doing, you you, you want these points. You want these experiences. Put it on your own card. So he did. And the perks that came with that are so utterly seductive and they change your thinking about yourself. Or at least it did to me. Perhaps you're far stronger than am I. And it, it starts with stupid things. 
It starts with priority boarding. That's, see, that sounds so stupid. Oh, you get to get on the airplane first. Congratulations. You get to sit down and watch people get on the plane. You get to be in the metal tube longer. But man, human psychology is such a fascinating thing. And I don't know when it happened to me, but that became super important. Is there anything like that in your life? I, I, I beg you to scan yourself for that. One of the things that the apostle um, Paul talked about and King David was searching, asking the Lord to search their hearts for their inequities, things they'd done wrong, parts of them not yet in the case of David that serving God, in the case of the apostle Paul, not yet um, holding every thought captive to Christ. And so I beg you to search your heart. Are there things like that that exist for you now? Maybe it's a casino you guys go to or it's a, it's a golf place and you are recognized and man, you're solid. You always get in. So it started with that. And, and then it became first class seats always on airplanes. I wouldn't fly unless I got first class. And to be frank with you, I hate flying. So it's very difficult to get me, get me on a plane. And it'd have to be a dire emergency for me to fly one of these guys, given what they did in, in, in COVID. And to me, all airlines are the same. They all played the game. So it'd be very difficult for me to hand over money to get on a plane. But back then, yeah, 1C, that was my seat. 1C, Alaska Airlines, always 1C. And then it was the, the boardroom. And hey, listen, why be out in the airport with all the people? You know, why not go into the boardroom where there's limited people and you uh, there's less noise and you get snacks and really, I mean, what was I paying for? Oh yeah, it was quiet. I always had a seat. I didn't have to stand, but honestly, I can't stand. I can't sit on my suitcase. And secondly, I don't eat airport food. So what am I really, okay, I get Diet Cokes for free? I mean, it's a quiet place to work. I can stretch my legs out. I'm, I'm paying for this. No. No, to my eternal shame, my daughter grew up with that as an expectation. To my eternal shame. Do we get to go to the lounge? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Of course we go to the lounge. You think we're going to sit with people? Yeah, of course, daddy's taking you to the VIP area because you're a VIP. I didn't say that. I showed it. I showed it. The other thing I showed is, well, there's them and there's us. To my eternal shame. And yeah, it's, it's more comfortable for a young girl who is going through incredible, incredible, chronic anxiety, chronic depression, as serious as it ever gets. So yeah, it was easier and it was easier. Meaning she didn't have to employ the coping strategies, but man, I hope you never live that life. I hope it never seduces me again. The attraction of this then from you get the VIP rooms. Now it's the hotel rooms. And man, I, I got to have a suite. God, it's, that's just so small. I travel all the time and I would justify it this way to myself. I am on the road so often, two weeks out of the month, I'm on the road. Why don't I get a suite? It's okay within the Microsoft rules. I can get a suite. Hey, if the executive team, if Steve B gets suites, I can get suites. 
Never mind that Steve B had people up to his, you know, his, his, his uh, hotel room to entertain and to strategize. And they had meetings up there. I didn't do that. But hey, Steve B got a suite. I can get a suite. And all of a sudden, the suite is the expectation. And then all of a sudden, you begin to swing the influence. And to my eternal shame, and it was actually kind of a funny thing. My mom was late for a flight. Uh, she was at her house. My daughter still, we still tell this story. She was at her house uh, outside of Seattle. And she somehow realized that she was desperately late for her flight. And her husband, who was the only grandpa that my, my daughter got to know, uh, because my father passed before my daughter was born. But so, so Grandpa John was in the bathroom. Grandpa John was not well. He had some cognitive decline at that point, which later became true dementia, which is why I know dementia is not funny. And my mom was screaming, John, John, we have to go. We have to go. And poor John's in the bathroom and, and baffled by belts. Like, and I know it's not funny. It's, it's just, he's baffled by his belt. And she's screaming and hustling out. And, and my daughter was saying, why are you yelling at grandpa? Hey, we're going to be late. And I kept saying to my mom, 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 relax. I'll put in a call. I'll put in a call. No, no, we can't. I can't spend more for the tickets and we have to. And she, so she's running and pushing John down the stairs. Well, she didn't push him down the stairs, but she hurries him into the car. We're on the way there. And I just pop on the speakerphone and call that very special MVP gold line. The special, special one they give you when you, you, you earn your MVP gold triple status. They give you the special, special back end phone number. And I just call that, give him my number and, oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, we will put you in the next flight as a backup. Wait, you can't do that. Yes, we can, because you're you. Oh, yeah, with the money you spend, we'll break our own rules. Your mom and her husband, they're going to leave on time. And I heard my mom on the phone call her friend in Canada who's going to pick them up at the airport and say, well, we were going to miss our flight, but my son has very important connections. And so he put a call into the airline. And in a way, my mom was funning with me and kind of rubbing my nose in it. But in another way, she was going, oh, look at my boy. Look at my boy. He spends so much of other people's money that other people have earned him a status with an airline. Oh, look at that. Man, I hope you never get into a VIP group, a real one. I hope I'm never seduced by them again. Because it goes from all of that to the expectations and then this. I made a new level at Microsoft by being a jackass. Now, truly, the guy I was working for was uh, also being a jackass. And we have later in life, we both admitted to each other, we were both jackasses. He was just a more senior jackass. And we got into a headbutting thing and I wanted out from under him and I achieved that. And in achieving that, I got a, a couple of level bumps and uh, well, what to me was a whole bunch of money. What, what to Microsoft was uh, a rounding error on a couple of hours of interest in one of their accounts in one city. But to me, it was a lot of money. And I went back to my office. Actually, I went back and I was headed to my office and a woman that I decided to call chief of staff, although I had a very small staff, I didn't need a chief. Uh, Bettina was really, uh, Bettina was really uh, kind of my partner in way. 
and that she was the organizational person who kept everything um, absolutely organized and kept me on schedule and kept the group on schedule. Bettina never got enough credit. And I was walking by Bettina's office and the door was open. So I stuck my head in and she said, she, I, I looked at her and she said, oh my gosh, I've really enjoyed working for you. I'm really going to miss you. See, because I'd gone into that, that meeting with the design of, I'm going to ask for something so utterly ridiculous, so absurd that they can't give it to me. And that way I didn't quit. That way I can go take this uh, opportunity at YouTube and thank God that didn't happen. I mean, all due respect to Chad Hurley, I would have been a ruined man if I'd taken that gig at, at uh, YouTube. And it wasn't like it was a, you have the gig, but the guy who funded YouTube and a VC named Roloff Boltha had taken my call a couple of times, like, hey, quit Microsoft and we'll talk. And I told him, now Roloff, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna just toss a, um, you know, a job out the window because you're afraid to take Microsoft on in court. And he said, hey, I'm taking your calls. I'm talking to you. I'll talk to you anytime. What I'm telling you is quit Microsoft, then we'll have a serious talk in person because I had some connections and some things that I could have helped YouTube with and many other people did. So I said to Bettina, I said, they said yes. And she said, what? They said yes. No. No. Yep. You got a, a second out of band level bump? Yep. You got the, the field title? Yep. Oh my gosh. You don't work for the, the guy anymore? Nope. Do I still work for you? Far as I know. Oh my gosh. You know what? And I forget the name of this car. See on the Microsoft campus in Redmond, they had these um, shuttles that would take you around. It's like the uh, rent a car shuttle. So if you didn't want to drive your car to a meeting, and there's good reason to not, because often you can't find parking and it's a mess and why waste the gas money? You would ride in these shuttles and it's, it is, and is we're going to stop at this building and then this building and then this building. And there was some special car you could get when you were given a certain level and it would take you where you, it would take you where you had to go or frankly, where you wanted to go. And you didn't have to ride with the rabble. It was just your car. And Bettina said, oh my gosh, you, I forget the name of the car. It was like the 10 car or something. I'm making that up. But she said, oh my gosh, you could ride in the 10 car. I go, what's a 10 car? She goes, oh, you don't know about 10 cars? No, what's a 10 car? Oh, a 10 car is your own car. You, you, you now have town cars that will take you to meetings. No. Yeah, you have town cars that will take you to meetings. Really? So I could call. She goes, no, I'll call you one. What do you have to do today? I'll call you a 10 car. I go, you know what? I have to take you and some of the team members to lunch. She goes, I'm the only one here. All right, you and I, were going to go have lunch. So we call the 10 car. She calls the 10 car and the lady looks up in the address book. It had already been changed. I got the magic level and here comes the 10 car. So me and Bettina went to lunch over at uh, the, the pro club with a bunch of other Microsofties and pulled people over to our table and made it sort of a party with people we knew, a little tiny lunch party. And then we rode back in the 10 car. And man, I hope this never happens to you because then it was the 10 car. But here's where it got terrible. I could say the rudest things and be okay. 
I could be slime. Now, God rescued me from lying, from taking grift, and frankly, that's never tempted me. Thank the Lord for hard wearing me to not be tempted for payoffs or buy-offs or bribes. I just, I can't stand that stuff. But if I'd stayed in the VIB club, I wonder how long I couldn't have standed it. I hope you never get in these clubs. I could go speak in places and belittle other human beings. I will never, ever forget. And I wish I could find this guy. And I wish I could take a knee and, and apologize to him as, as man to man. We're on a panel in California on the beach, on the beach, of course, on the beach. And this guy said, we're talking about social media, which was just coming out or just, no, it wasn't coming out, but it was Facebook had opened up their platform so that it wasn't just young people anymore. And, and so adults were joining it and older people and it was beginning to blow up. And, and we were beginning to understand the data that Facebook had and understanding that Facebook is not a social media company. Facebook is a, um, a people dissecting company. It's an attention company. It's a neuroscience lab. It's anything but a social media company. And we're doing this panel and this, this man who has kids, I'm, I guess, he has kids and a wife and he has a job and he has an intellect and God loves him every bit as much as God loves me. And this guy said, I guess the question about social media is, um, I mean, is it really a place that we're going to be able to, uh, to, to sell advertising? Is it really a place where advertising matters? And the guy who was moderating the panel said, Todd, you have defined opinion on this. You just wrote a piece about this. So what do you think? And I said, hmm, let me, let me examine that for a second. Are you asking me if a platform with 100 million people on it, where we know every detail about what they think, who their friends are, what their social plans are, what they're doing on the weekend, their intent to move from a location, to go to college, to make a big purchase, to divorce their wife, or maybe they have a, a, a relationship on the back end. Are you asking me if that's valuable to sell advertising on? Hmm, let me think about that. In my best Simon Cowell talk, and people laughed. And that man pretended to laugh. Hey, I had Microsoft behind me. I could do deals. And I wasn't even a big fish. It was just a guy with a field title. Man, I hope you never get in these VIP groups. Because there's an expectation. VIP protects VIP. VIP doesn't talk about the foolishness of VIP. And I believe this is where the Lord began to work on me. Because the Lord has hardwired into me, and maybe he has you as well. And I'd ask you to examine yourself right now. What values has God hardwired into you? Truth is huge for me, huge. Keeping promises is huge for me. Intellectual honesty is massive. 
If it's foolish, I want to be able to say it's foolish. Hypocrisy, it, it, it makes me itch with a, with a, with a burning itch. I, I can't stand hypocrisy. What principles did God put into you? And I'll tell you where God began to make that turn and why. I'm going to play a clip from the movie, The Big Short. As we talk about the fact that I hope that you never get in to a real live VIP club. And I wanted to find that a little bit. One can be an achiever and not accept the VIP trappings. One can be wildly successful and refuse those things. And I hope that one will, that is all of us. One of many, many of one, did anybody say it? <laughs> Looking at a, uh, a text from John, who is the father of Alan from Alan's Artisan Soaps. You know the story about Alan by now. He is uh, now newly 12 years old. And he is the chief soap officer of Allen's Artisan Soaps. He invents a lot of their, their, um, their sense of soap. And he does that from his sense of memory and emotion and his memory of being in the kitchen while his grandma cooked. And some of the sense of that cooking make it into the soap. Not garlic, by the way. No, things like lilac, applewood, and and cedar jasmine from a from a chest his grandma had, and and uh, v- vanilla uh, vanilla lime, and lavender rosemary was specifically inspired by Alan's grandmother. And John sent me a picture, and and Alan he can't verbally form full sentences, and I think you know that, but he can write, and he's put himself up a Stephen Crowder table, a little Alan. It says, change my mind. <laughs> See, when we work with Alan's Artisan Soaps, it's not just the soap. That's at the center of this, the product, right? And incidentally, John, uh, the guy, Alan's dad, I think he'd tell you, he probably had his own encounter with the VIP room. He probably had his own encounter with the big boy, I'm important club, and then he had kids. Then he realized, man, I am not important and I need redemption. But this is the thing, because we work with Alan, he gets exposed to the podcast a little bit. So he's really beginning to understand how much, how different people who recognize Alan for who he is. He is chief soap officer. Sure, he's 12-year-old who's addicted to Minecraft. You better believe it. He's joyful, but he also works the boy works every day on these soaps. If you haven't tried them, I encourage you to go to alansoaps.com slash Todd. That's A-L-A-N-S soaps.com slash Todd. And I'll say it flat out. If you don't like the soap, please don't buy it anymore. If you like the soap, if you love the soap, get on the Herminator sub and help us grow this company. Every time a subscription is sold, John has the ability to go to other companies and go, hey, how come I can make a good tidy profit hiring people like my son who you say is useless and I'm proving is not useless. How come you guys can't do it? How come you can't find ways to decide that all lives matter? You want to pay for abortions for your employees? How about if you pay instead to hire people like Alan? It's alansoaps.com slash Todd. 
See, the movie The Big Short is a story of people in the VIP club and people who want to get into the VIP club. I said in the five-minute focus that it informed this hour and it really informs next. Next hour, I will prove that this movie, the, the, the Big Short, which is about the housing crisis and how government and regulators and big banks conspired to screw the American people and steal and thou shalt not and to um, employ usury, which the Bible is dead set against, to treat in, in, in the word servants in the Bible, you could read as employees because most people in Rome were in the servant class, so-called. So when you read servants, you can also insert employee who treated employees as worse than themselves. That's the story of the big short. And then ultimately they stole money on a massive basis. And it led to a lot of suicides and a lot of ruin. And it was because people were in the VIP club that they couldn't possibly believe that they could be wrong about anything. And if they were, they got away with it. Like my big mouth at that panel belittling another man. They would get away with it. And then there's people who are kind of in the game, but man, they want to get into the center of the game. And so they want to bet against the American economy. You might remember this movie. You know what? I'm pissed off. American people are getting screwed by the big banks. And I am getting madder and madder. It's unbelievable. Then this guy walks into my office and says, There's some shady stuff going down. All the banks were having a big old party. A few outsiders saw it when no one else could. The whole world economy might collapse. I'm sure the world's banks have more incentives than greed. You're wrong. They, the people in the VIP club, knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing with the bonds. They knew that what they were taking good, solid home loans and putting them in packages with junk bond loans, loans for homes that weren't going to get paid back. They knew all of that. And as things began to fall apart, they were protected by their VIP status. And this is the linchpin. That's the linchpin. This is why I pray you never get into a pure VIP group. Because there's spending life protected. They stole, nothing happened. They lied on a gargantuan level, nothing happened. They forced through influence and graft taxpayers to give them hundred million dollar bonuses for destroying the housing market, for tanking the economy, for lying. We were forced to give them money for having done that. That's the cliche of laughing all the way to the bank. In that case, though, they were the bank. They laughed all the way to the Hamptons. Protected utterly because they were in the VIP group. That's an earthly attitude. And it's a temporary attitude. Listen to this guy talk about your economic pain. Compare it to the people of the big short doing what they knew they were doing to the housing markets. Sustainable. What do you say to those families who say, 
Listen, we can't afford to pay $4.85 a gallon for months, if not years. This is just not sustainable. Well, what you heard from the president today was a clear articulation of the stakes. This is about the future of the liberal world order, and we have to stand firm. He has to stand firm. You have to stand where he tells you to stand. So they tap the oil reserves. They give a bunch of it to China at a very cut rate. And now we're going to have to buy it back at two to three times that amount if we ever want strategic oil reserves back. They are, they are draining the strategic oil reserves to win it's try to win in the midterms. Everybody knows they're doing that. This same guy from the VIP club, he gets to go back on TV, listen to this man talk about the draining of the strategic oil reserves of the United States of America. The fact that Germany is so dependent upon Russia that Russia just recently said, hey, we're going to go ahead and turn off the gas and the, the natural gas for a little while. We talked about that yesterday. Listen to this guy's attitude. Look, I think that uh, we're seeing important signs of resilience in this economy. Uh, you uh, just talked about gas prices coming down. Today, the most common gas price in the United States is $3.49. Artificially. Gas down 65 days in a row, down more than a dollar. And what that means for a typical family, a two-car driving family, is $120 a month in savings in their pockets. Uh, and the labor market, uh, as you just discussed, is continues to be very strong. We created 528,000 jobs in July. So those are markers of resilience. There's no question we face serious global challenges right now, inflation first and foremost, but there's also no question that the United States is better positioned than almost any major economy uh, to weather those. Okay, we're better positioned. We who are no longer a net exporter of oil, we are now beholden for our oil from Iran, Venezuela, countries who don't mean us well. We have exhausted our military budgets in Ukraine. We have fired the best and the brightest from our military, or many of them, I shouldn't say the, for refusing to be injected. Our economy is the house of cards with the fiat currency that is the VIP currency. It never has to respond to reality. It's a fiat currency. Like Wall Street, we're fiat players who never have to pay a toll in this life. But man, if they don't repent, are they going to pay a cost in the next and they'll pay it forever. And then he talks about the jobs recovering. Yes, when you smash 40% of small businesses and some people get their jobs back, that looks a lot like a recovery to you. He's in the VIP group. Untouchable. And therefore, why should he change? Why should he do that? The VIP club, this is from unheard.com. Bankers have failed us again. Our economic elites are making every wrong call. A year ago, the governor of the Bank of England tried to downplay growing fears of inflation. Any increase, Andy, Andrew Bailey assured us, was understandable given the bumpy economic recovery after the pandemic. And he expected it to, quote, come back on target. 
It was a view shared by many of the world's leading economists, including Nobel Prize winner Paul Krugman. But that didn't stop it from being very wrong. Last week, Bailey raised the Bank of England's base of, uh, rate of interest from 1.25% to 1.75%, the biggest rate rise Britain has seen in 27 years. Why were the crystal balls so inaccurate? Was today's inflation simply unforeseeable? The straightforward answer is no. The initial inflation was caused by the disruption brought on by the lockdowns and was perfectly foreseeable using basic macroeconomic models taught in undergraduate class. Yet most economists seem to have missed this, largely because starting in March 2020, they stopped focusing on economic problems and became armchair epidemiologists offering opinions on how the virus spread and what might stop it. There was no meaningful economic discussion during the pandemic. Normal repairs and maintenance appear to have been neglected, leading to serious problems with supply chains. In 2021, for example, there were 1,946 factory fires, huh? the most ever recorded in a single year, and an increase of 129% over the previous year. And these problems have been supercharged by recent geopolitical developments, the most obvious being the war in Ukraine. And departing from that article, reminder, Russia is making more money on their oil than they ever have. The VIP club protects the VIP club. And I thank the Lord that he made me uncomfortable. And I kept shifting from one VIP club to the other VIP club. It was the VIP club in in Startupville. And then it was the VIP club in Fortune 500. And then it was the VIP club in Washington, D.C. And all around me, I saw people who paid no cost. And it was began when I began to see the hypocrisy and the dishonesty that I realized that God had hardwired me for something else. And I now have an utter, utter illness at the thought of anything VIP oriented. I beg you, I pray that you end up in the same position. Last year, we did an event um, in uh, Gig Harbor, Washington. And my dear friend, Jesse Young, who's a dear and godly man, did not ask my permission about having a VIP event. And we had one. I said, oh, Jesse, did you already promote this? Yeah, I did. I didn't know you didn't like these things. No, I can't stand them. I can't stand anything VIP related to myself. I pray that you make it into that position. So what happens and what is this ongoing comparison and what is it? Why would I actually wish that you never, never end up in those clubs? Well, I'm looking at Australian banks are announcing it's going to ban loans for cars that run on gas or diesel. I'm looking at Bill Gates who pushed Joe Manchin to sign Joe Biden's spending orgy. I'm looking at a lot of other things. Hey, it would be silly uh, to ignore the partnership with Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management as we talk about this topic. Uh, It would really be silly. Let me give you an example of who Zach is. He's the chief investment officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You better believe he has a team. He has personal assistants. There's people who help handle scheduling and you better believe that, but he keeps a light ship. 
because he stewards people's money in retirement five to 10 years out. Zach has to be focused on the operations of the company, the workings of the company. He spends most of his time looking at their investments. Consequently, his wife, or not consequently, it's a blessing that his wife is the chief operating officer. She works on all the details of the business. Together, they run the thing. Here's who he is. I recently had some friends, uh, new friends, I met them, uh, come and introduce themselves to me at church. Turns out they had recently moved their money over to Zach. They just retired, but moved their money into Bulwark Capital Management because they understand Zach's approach and, and, and absolutely obsessive focus on risk management. As I chatted with them, it realized, I realized they'd made friends with Zach. They're, they're chatting about Zach and, and they knew things about Zach I didn't know and they just met him. There is no wall. Now, understand this. Zach can't spend all his time chit-chatting with people because he's focused on the markets, focused on what his quants are telling him, focused on what his investment advisors are doing, focused on the fund, the Bulwark Capital Management Fund, because otherwise he would not be doing his job of risk management. But understand this as well. There's no VIP club. There's not. I've gotten phone calls from people. I got a note from a young man who said, I can't believe this. I'm 30 years old. I don't have much money. These guys just took me on. Are you kidding me? I thought this was just for retired people. I called them to find out how much money they took me on. He's a good, he's a good start at a good professional career. There's no VIP club. Now, Zach will tell you if you're young and you're just getting started in the job market, you probably don't need us. He said that. He said, look, max out your 401k, max everything else out. And then some. And just invest for the long haul. But when you get to the 10 to 15 years retirement, 5, 10, 15 years from retirement, that's where Bulwark Capital Management is at their very, very best because it's risk management. Okay. And look, you can take a whole bunch of hits on the way to being 50. Once you hit 50 or older, hits to your retirement account could mean you don't retire. Risk management, Bulwark Capital Management. Call them at 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative, Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. So how is it that the banks could be so wrong? Because no one will tell them they're wrong. In the VIP club, you don't do that. The VIP club is like the fight club. You never talk about the fact that you're in a VIP club. Case in point, one of the most honest men I've ever known was a venture capitalist. He left the, 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 the business. And one time we were talking in the uh, parking garage where we had our internet radio company. And we were talking about selling the company. We were talking about, um, we were talking about a, a range of things, kind of standing next to our cars. And I said something like this. I said, well, look, what I want to make sure is that we understand this bubble is going to pop. And this gentleman said, hey, hey, I know we're alone, but we do not talk about bubbles. There are no bubbles. I said, but come on. We all know this bubble because Todd, I'm not kidding. Don't say bubble to me. I don't want you to say bubble ever. Not in private. Not anywhere. There's no bubble. One of the most honest guys I've ever known. He didn't want to have to say, did you know there was a bubble? 
because he didn't want to have to go back to his investors in his fund and say, there's a bubble. Now, you don't think those people knew? I can remember driving to work at those times and there was a brilliant, brilliant radio man, uh, Bob Rivers, who is a genius. In Seattle, he did a morning show. It was, as long as Bob wanted to do radio, it would be the number one morning show in Seattle and elsewhere. He was that good at radio. Um, it's Spike O'Neill on the air. Some of you in the Seattle area would remember him. It was FM radio. They played music, but it was mostly Bob talking. Bob was a genius, still is. His retired is as far as I know, he raises bees in Vermont or something. Every morning, Bob would do the legalized gambling report. Bob knew it was a bubble. He's also a brilliant investor. He knew it was a bubble. He knew exactly what it was. So I'm reading here about the VIP club. The Australian bank announces it will ban loans for petrol or diesel cars in order to fight climate change and encourage electric vehicles. The VIP group is going to be able to borrow money to buy gas powered cars, but you won't. Or probably the VIP club won't need to borrow money. They'll buy them with cash, but you won't. I won't. And no one in the VIP club is willing to go to the VIP club and go, you understand, there's not elect uh, enough electricity, right? You get that, right? You get this will collapse the grid. You get that already California is begging people to not charge their electric cars. You get that car and driver, I think it was, or one of the publications just tested an electric SUV. They hauled the trailer to a campsite. They made it 83 miles. <laughs> 83 miles before they had to stop in their stupid electric SUV hauling a small trailer. And no one's there to say, what are you doing? Bill Gates pushed Joe Manchin to sign this insane Inflation Reduction Act, which I firmly guarantee you, Bill knows, will do nothing to stop inflation, but no one's going to tell Bill Gates that. Because the VIP club protects the VIP club because the VIP club doesn't pay a cost in this life. The VIP club rides cost-free through the world. What's this young man, this football player, who's been suspended now for a season because apparently he can't stop beating up women or raping women? I've stopped watching the NFL when they told me they hate my guts, so I don't watch it anymore. I'm mildly aware of the fact that, okay, so he gets suspended. I bet he still gets paid. I bet he still is cashing the checks. VIP club. I pray we never make it in it. Because you never pay a cost. And so through life, you expect to never pay a cost. But meanwhile, there's a bookkeeper who's perfect. He doesn't just see the graft. He sees the thoughts. He doesn't just see the stuff like me being rude to a man on a panel or me being utterly, utterly vicious to a man named Adam with whom I worked at Microsoft, utterly vicious. Granted, he was trying to kneecap me. That's corporate America. He was trying to take what I had. That's corporate America, but it was utterly vicious. And I hope we never make it into that group again. So the Lord saw not just the conversation with Adam, the Lord saw my thoughts. Oh, I'll crush this guy. 
oh, I can out talk this guy any day. I can out talk most people. Uh, I can see the Lord going, oh, 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 you can. Oh, oh, look at you. Look at you inventing language and your tongue and your mind and your thoughts. Look how special you are. You're kind of like the most beautiful angel. See, the VIP club seduces that way. And here was, I think, the moment where God just said to me, are you sure? Are you sure this is where you want to be? Are you really sure? And I had to think about this because there were all sorts of times. I mean, I worked in D.C., the most dishonest place in the world. And yes, I have some honest friends. I've had some of them on the radio show. I don't know how they keep their soul. I don't. I couldn't. I wasn't strong enough. Well, let me say that another way. I wasn't saved. I wasn't walking with Christ. My friend Gentry has always walked with Christ. Maybe that's how he keeps his soul. But I had to think about this in preparation for the show. When did I start to think, I don't want to be part of this VIP club? This feels awful. It was when I got moved into another level, sitting in a meeting as a vice president who in his great defense, man, he was a great sponsor of mine. He helped me in immeasurable ways. And I give him great credit because I didn't have a college degree, still don't. I give him great credit for running a meritocracy. He did. If you were smart and you got it done, you worked hard, you're smart, you got it done, you produced, you brought revenue, you brought clients, you, you, you innovated. It, he didn't care where you came from. He was a merit, it, it was, it ran a meritocracy in that way but he was also a man completely given over to his desires. He was a man who cheated on his wife with his housekeeper and everybody there knew it. He was a guy who slept with interns and everywhere there, everyone there knew it. And he got parked for a year. He got parked because he got caught. They parked him for a year. They took away his reports. They made him spend the year by himself with his admin and he couldn't do anything other than write and think. So they made him cool. It was called a cool down year got parked. That was his, that's what it, it cost him. Probably cost him a little stock. And this gentleman called me into a meeting with a bunch of other people to present an idea. And he was presenting this idea of an investment of pretty substantial Microsoft monies. And the investment to me, it was a lot of money. I mean, to Microsoft, it wasn't, but to me, a hundred million dollars is a lot of money. And they were, and he was presenting this idea and laying it out. And I'm looking around the room. I'm, I'm hearing phrases like, we believe this will be the YouTube killer. Uh, we believe we can use this to kill the iPod and to take share. And it was iPod that time. The iPhone hadn't yet come around to being what it is now. It wasn't, there were two devices in other words. And so he's making these claims and saying this, and I'm, and I'm looking around the room. Oh guys, I knew that my colleagues knew. No, 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 no. No, this, this company doesn't have a shot at competing with YouTube. That's over. YouTube has gained too much size, too much, too much, uh, too many, too much video inventory. They've, they've, they've perfected viral sharing. 
they protected, perfected video metadata. It's it's the second largest search engine in the world. And at that time, no one knew that. No, 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 no. You could put a hundred million dollars. You could put a billion in. You're not going to catch them. You can't. Their first mover advantage is so big. You can't. Secondly, you'll get sued in ways YouTube won't. No, no, this won't work. I knew it because I'd had the conversations. And I'm waiting, I'm looking across the table and there's a guy who's been there 20 years and he's far more senior than I am. And I'm looking at him like, are, are you gonna say what you say in private? I, I'm looking over at some of the MBAs I worked with on projects and they'd been there longer than me. I wait a minute, you're yield specialists. You know this, you, they're not gonna say anything. And here's this man who, for all his ills, and there are many, and I hope he'll repent, and I hope he'll learn to know the Lord. For all his ills, he'd done me solid after solid at that company. He had my back in countless ways. So for all his ills, I liked that man. And he's saying these things, and no one's saying it. And finally, I just raised my hand. Like at school, you don't do that in these meetings, but I did. I, I raised my hand like I needed to go to the bathroom. And this gentleman said, yeah, Todd, you don't have to raise your hand. I go, oh, pardon me. I said, um, may I respectfully ask, have you made the decision to make this investment? No, that's why I'm here. That's why I want this meeting. I've not made the decision. All right. I'm asking again, are you open to blunt feedback on this? Yes, that Todd, that's why I've asked you to come into this meeting. That's why I've asked you to join this, this committee. This is a terrible idea. You will never make money on this. That $100 million is gone. You can't catch YouTube. I, I, I can spend all sorts of time explaining to you why you can't catch them. We could talk about the velocity of the content multiplying. We could talk about their metadata application. We can talk about the, 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 the ways that the, the, the amount of content is exploding and continuing to explode. We can talk about the exponential growth, exponential upon exponential growth. We can talk about the usership growth. We, we can talk about the ad platform. We can talk about the way this ties into the Google, the Google platform, which Microsoft doesn't have. We can talk about the fact that they've already built for mobile. It's, it's already there. I know you think you're going to run around them in mobile. I'm telling you, there's waiting to launch it. I've seen it. You can't. It's, no, this is, please don't do this. And he looked around the room and everyone else, and he said, Todd raises a pretty stiff objection to this. Does anyone else concur? No one. And he said, Todd, that's why I asked you to join these meetings. You speak up. And I just said, I hope I wasn't an attorney. He goes, no, you weren't. Uh, the guy who was senior to me seated straight across from me, who I tried to get his attention. I tried to get him to speak up like with eye contact. We walk out of the meeting. He corners me in the hallway, looks around to see no one's looking. He goes, Oh man, thank you for saying that. And I said to him, I said his name and I said, blank you. What blank you? You left me swinging in there. He left me hanging. Oh, listen, I, 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 um, 
I, 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 you've been here 20 years. You've got so, you've so much juice. You, why didn't you speak up? Oh, listen, they're, they're going to do this. What? They're going to do this. They are? That decision's made, but he just said, no, no. Todd, dude, you got to learn this. You gave him his out card. He's not going to say those are his words. He's going to take your words. He's going to send them up chain and say, my GM of media strategy says this. That's going to be his response. He already knows they're going to do it. But now when it crashes and they come back to him and say, hey, this doesn't work, it can go, well, I warned you. And if for some reason it does work, they're not even going to remember that someone your level, no offense, said something. And it was at that moment I realized. I live in a world of triangulation and slithering and hiding and duplicity and passive aggressive behaviors and multi-level communication and it's all sick and there's no straight line honesty. Even to the guy who to this day, I'm so thankful for, I'm looking at a Microsoft stock award from him. I'm literally looking at it. But the VIP club protects the VIP club. I do hope and pray you never make it in to an actual VIP club. And, 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 and if you're in one, I hope you will do what I did not. I hope you will witness. I hope you will bring Christ in to the VIP room. Now that's a funny picture. Think of it. Think of the Lord Jesus who didn't care a whit about being around the powerful. Think about him in a boardroom. Think about him sitting in during a political discussion. Think of this. You're at the whiteboard talking about the wedge issue you're going to use to peel off moderates from conservatives. Well, we'll just de-emphasize our support for the pro-life position. We'll just de-emphasize it. Just think of the Lord Jesus sitting in that political meeting with you. Here's how I think you'll know if you're in a VIP group. When you guys are speaking privately. Picture the Lord Jesus there. Does he fit in the room? Does he get up and walk out? Does he turn the tables over? That's what I wish I had done when I was in the VIP room. Next hour, I cannot emphasize enough how I beg you to watch the movie, The Big Short, to see how it is the same story as the COVID hoax. I'll prove that next hour. As always, we appreciate you sharing the show with your friends. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. 
And remember that the Lord Jesus could could have been in any VIP group he wanted. Instead, he decided to hang out with tax collectors, fishermen, and wayward women. 